Hi there, and welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Today, we continue our series on prayer, what to pray, how to pray, and why to pray. Today, we'll focus on 12 practical keys to effective prayer. Join us, Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse is coming up next. And again, greetings in Christ and welcome to Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Today we continue with our series on prayer and we focus in once again on 12 practical keys to effective prayer. And we took a look at the first six last week. Today, the next six to make up the 12. Won't you join us with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, our teacher and pastor now. Once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Well, seventhly here, pray initially. (laughs) We probably all mess up in this area. I do. Make prayer your first choice. I mean, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? I mean, as a believer, you know, God's there to help you. You know, he knows what the situation is far more. But how many times, brothers and sisters, do we... We start into a situation and it's like, okay, I'm going to muscle my way through this. I'm going to work this thing out. I have the ingenuity, the ability to make this thing work. And then finally in exhaustion, we say, okay, I give up. God help. And it happens in different ways. It could happen in a relationship. It could happen in a work environment. It could happen as silly as putting together a kid's toy on, on Christmas morning. And thinking, well, you got this. Only an hour and a half later, you've got bolts and washers and stuff everywhere. The kid's crying and you're going, what happened to this situation? Did you pray about it? Or did you feel pretty self-confident that, you know, I'm mechanically inclined. I can deal with that. See, we need to pray initially. Make sure that, that we're crying out to God. Seeking God's direction. Seeking God's blessing. Seeking God's provision should be the first priority in our lives. Not an afterthought. Well, the eighth thing here is that we need to pray unselfishly. Be sure that the focus of your prayer is not always inward, but upward and outward as well. Um... Look over at John chapter 17. John 17. Because John points out here, basically, the Lord does, points out for us. And and this is, is really a pattern that Jesus laid down. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And I'll just read it here. John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. And look at what he says. He says, Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. 
that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. In verse 6, I manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Here's what he says in verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And what does he pray for them? He, verse, verse 11, he says, All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, here's what he prays. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So he prays for protection. Verse 12 He goes on here and he says, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and have, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask, look at this, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them or set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I... Sent, have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate my, myself and they also may be sanctified in truth. And he goes on here. I says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, and they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love, love them even as, I, as you loved me. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, may be with me where I am going to see my glory that you have given me because you loved before, loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made them, uh, I, I, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love 
with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So you see here, he prays for their protection. He prays for our oneness with him. Um, He prays for our joy even there in, in verse 13. He prays for our sanctification. All right, he's praying for us. You know, when we go to prayer, we need to be reminded that there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself or praying, asking a prayer request. Nothing wrong with that at all. But don't allow that to be the majority of what you're concerned about. You know, our, our, our prayer should be outward. Our prayer should be, what, what does God desire in this situation? It's not always about what we want. It should never be about what we want. That's what being a disciple of Christ is, right? Dying to yourself, setting your will aside for the will of the Father. So pray unselfish, unselfishly. And then the ninth thing here, pray boldly. And this is, I like this part because it's, it tells us why we need to pray boldly. If you look over at Hebrews, first of all, we have a high priest. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, Hebrews 4, 14, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. And then he gives an example here, an illustration. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us then with what? Confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The reason so many people do not go to God in time of need is because they don't understand who God is. Even believers have a faulty idea of who their God is. And here we're told, no, Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He's not some God up there just manipulating things like we're some uh, pieces on on a chessboard. No, he's concerned. He says that he's able to sympathize with us. He understands our weaknesses. And so we need to go to him in confidence. You know, if you've ever gone to somebody for advice, you know, you could get one of two reactions. Sometimes seek out people's advice. And years ago, I sought out a local pastor's advice on something. And by the time this guy got done talking, I felt about this big. <laughs> I felt like an idiot. And I walked away from that and said, you know what? But I didn't get anything out of this at all. <laughs> you know. Um, why? Because there was no sympathy there. There was no understanding the situation that I was trying to communicate. There was nothing. Now, did I run back to that person the next time an issue came up? I don't think so. <laughs> You know, um, and it was, it, was, it was frustrating, you know. But when you get somebody who comes alongside of you and says, you know what, I understand what you're going through, and, and let me help you with this. And you know what, I've gone through the same thing. You know, you can identify with somebody like that. You want to run to somebody like that, you know. And that's what, what, what God is to us. He's, he's somebody who understands exactly what we're going through, no matter what kind of mess we're in, what kind of mess we created in our life. God sees it perfectly for what it is. You're not going to surprise him with something. I mean, sometimes I think when we, when we have prayer meetings and, and we're praying, it's almost like we're 
trying to inform God of what, you know, what's going on, you know, in our lives as if he doesn't know, right? I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. He knows everything. Well, we have a high priest, but we also have an advocate. First John 2, 2, 1 says, My little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. And we're, we're doing a study on First John, and that's one of the purposes of First John, that, we, that he wrote this book so they wouldn't sin. But he says here, But if anyone does sin, implying that you're going to, <laughs> we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I mean, having an advocate is something that's just an incredible blessing when you understand who the advocate is and what the, what the nature of what the advocate does. So we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We're to pray boldly because he's our high priest, he's our advocate, but we also are to pray boldly because... Even we ourselves are a priest as believers, the priesthood of believers. And we're, we're instructed to come boldly before the throne of grace for God's mercy. Don't be shy about prayer. The tenth thing here is to pray biblically. Pray biblically. Um, do not pray prayers that are contrary to scripture that just it's not going to get you anywhere um, as a youth pastor I remember on Wednesday nights you know we'd, we'd have students and at the end we'd have prayer requests and there'd always be some kid hey pray you know uh, for my test tomorrow I got a big test tomorrow but I haven't had time to study it all so pray I do well well you know what that's a stupid prayer I'm sorry, that's just a stupid prayer. You know, if, if you're going to go to God and say, hey, I'm not going to do any, anything, I just want you to bless me because I just feel like you should bless me. You know, help me pass this test even though I haven't studied. That's a prayer that's contrary to Scripture. Pray according to God's will. See, God's will is never contradicted, beloved, by God's word. It's never contradicted by God's word. James says, you know what? If you don't know what to pray, if you're lacking wisdom, what does he say? Ask God. And he'll grant wisdom to one who earnestly seeks it. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. Or Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 where basically God tells us that he wants us to know his will. Paul writes there, And so from the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled, look at this, with the knowledge of God's will, his will, and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that God's will for your life is, is something that, that he took. He has a will for you, but, but he, he took it and he hid it somewhere. And for the rest of your Christian life, you have this hide-and-seek hide and game with God. No, that's, that's not a biblical approach to understanding God's will. There's a lot of things that God has told us to do. He told us to be people of prayer. He told us to be people of the Word. He told us to come together in fellowship to love one another. He, he, he's instructed us to do a lot of things that are his direct will for us. 
So we need to do those and then, and then whatever we do will be within the, the will of God. Because we know God's will by walking in the Spirit, right? Ephesians 5 tells us that. Also in, in 1 John 3.22, it tells us that we need to obey God's will in order to be effective in prayer. If he, uh, uh, 1 John 3.22, it says, Whatever you, we ask, we receive from Him because we what? Keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that are out there doing everything that displeases God, and yet they're quickly to tell you, oh, I pray all the time. Well, I don't know what you're praying for, but maybe you need to start obeying what God has instructed you to do. And maybe that'll help you out of your situation. For our prayers to be effective, we need to be obedient to God. Have a, a spirit of obedience. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfectly obedient all the time. None of us are. And then the 11th thing here, pray unitedly. United prayer ought to be consistent, regular. It ought to be fervent. Um, you see that in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. People coming together in prayer so many times had preceded a lot of the, the great awakenings throughout history, spiritual awakenings. The spiritual awakening that swept through major portions of America in the mid-1800s began with a single prayer meeting in New York City. We need to come together around times of prayer as believers. We offer a prayer time here at 9.30 every morning over in the classroom. And then the last thing, last thing here, pray patiently. Pray patiently. What do you mean by that? I mean, praying patiently means that you're, you're willing to listen to God. See, we got this wrong concept of prayer. We think that prayer is just us going to God and letting Him know what we need. Like He's some divine Santa Claus. Okay, that's not what prayer is about. Prayer is, is that. It's, it's taking our needs, our requests. We're, we're instructed to do that. But it's also spending time quiet. When's the last time you went to prayer and you didn't say anything? You didn't address God at all. You just waited on God to speak to your heart through his word, through his spirit. missionary wrote this it is in silent moments between prayers that God speaks to us and in this silent communication with our heavenly father we are changed we are not there primarily to get things but to realize God's presence Moses understood that John the Baptist understood that Paul the apostle understood that See, praying patiently means waiting on God. Being willing to wait. Wait for God's provision. Placing your full confidence in Him. Relying on His unlimited ability to provide. It's not based on your limited ability. It's on God's unlimited ability. Wait for the power of God. 
power to witness, power to serve. See, that's something that God desires us to understand, to have. And so as you put these principles into practice, I think the last thing is just to pray naturally. You know, prayer is very much communicating with God. Communicate with God in your own language, from your own heart. And that's going to look differently for different people. You know, please understand there's no official prayer language when you enter into prayer. And see, so many times we feel that we need this certain language or this certain thing to, to when we come before God. Should we be reverent? Yes. But you know what? If we can't be who we are, we need to think about that. Communicate with God as freely and naturally as possible. Remember that he knows you, that he loves you, that he accepts you, that he understands you. And when you pray to him, you know what? He hears and he will answer according to his will. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that we would just take just these suggestions that we want over this morning rather in a hurriedly fashion, but Lord, that somehow you would spurn our hearts to be men and women of prayer. And Lord, I know that we could all uh, increase our time in prayer each and every day. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, receive this little book at the end, Lord, that that would just be one of the tools that we can be in prayer for our country, for this world we live in, for our neighbors, for our friends. Father, that you would use us for this to do what you've instructed us to do. And Father, we just pray that you would uh, do your work in the hearts of your people here this morning. If there's anyone here this morning who's yet to put their faith, their trust in Christ, who's yet to been transformed by the glorious grace of God through the message of Christ and Christ alone, Father, that you would um, do that work now as only you can. Um, Lord, we, we acknowledge your sovereignty in the area of salvation, and yet we're still instructed to pray. And we're, we're asked that you would uh, draw that heart that may not be yours close to you, give them a proper understanding of their need of a Savior, and convict them of their sin. And for us as believers, I pray that we would walk out of here encouraged, that we would understand that even though the times are dire and the world we live in seems to be falling apart at the seams, Lord, we're still here, so you're not done yet. And Father, there's still work for us to do. And I pray that we would do it mightily in the power of your spirit, through the power of your word. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. 
We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. By the way, we do have another way that you can access resources from us here at Graceful Truth. Simply download our brand new app. As you go to the App Store, simply look for Grace Bible Church-CA, free and ready for download on Android and OS App Stores. Thank you so much for taking advantage of these resource materials. It's our hope and prayer that you are using them for your further growth in Christ. Again, simply go to the App Store and look for Grace Bible Church-CA and download our app today. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.